Welcome to the Writer Experience Podcast. I'm your host, Court Dunn. Join us as we talk to writers about their work, their process, and what it means to be a writer. All right, welcome to the show. Today we've got news editor Steve Say from JoeBlow.com, also host of the Talking Comics Podcast, also pancake enthusiast, Lord of the (laughs) Snuggle, Canadian by proxy. How's it going? Pretty good, man. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Like I said, we've never met before, so I'm excited to kind of cover all things Steve and all things just, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you, your career, all things yeah, in man. between. So tell us where you are in the world right now. All right. Well, um, where I am currently based is uh, I am visiting my wife in London, Ontario, where uh, I am awaiting my residency for the country so that I can live in both the United States and Canada. And um, yeah, right now I'm just chilling inside of what is a terrible hailstorm that is is going on right now outside. Only it's not the bald hail. It is more like jagged pieces of broken glass falling through the sky. So I am uh, I'm currently in our basement in the house (laughs) where all is safe. It's like a bunker in here. There it is. And you got your uh, urban, right? Yes, yes. I'm drinking uh, Old Forester Statesman Whiskey, which is the official whiskey of the Kingsman, the Golden Circle movie that came out uh, last year. Amazing. So, is there a story about how you got that? or? Well, um, yeah. I uh, was doing a, a job for Joe Blow where I was invited to London, England to go to the Blu-ray release party for the Golden Circle. And it was this whole package that Fox had put together of um we stayed in this place called the Ned which is this like ridiculous five star uh hotel that they have out there and they put us through this whole like spa treatment and massage treatment and wanted you to basically feel like a Kingsman agent for the day uh I got to like do intros and video inside the cab where um Eggsy and Charlie have their fight at the beginning of the movie we went to a whiskey tasting whereas I got the old Forester there or I had my first taste of it there and I came home and I was like, oh, I need to have that again. So I actually <laughs> had to special order it to the uh, LCBO near our house. And it just came in like maybe three weeks ago. And the bottle's already half empty because it's delicious. Hell yeah. Are you a beer guy as well? or I am. I am. Okay. I've um, My palate kind of t- uh, changes for beer periodically. And uh, right now I'm kind of in a like a blonde type of mood, yeah. like anything from blonde to light. And um, there's a couple of really, really amazing breweries out here. I just found like a cream ale that's brewed here in London that is quite delicious. It's like autumn amber or something like that. And um, there's one called Farmer's Daughter, which is a blonde, which is absolutely stellar. It's probably my favorite beer that I've had since uh, since coming to visit in Canada a couple years ago. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I can't. Um, I can't seem to do like IPAs or uh, stouts anymore. So my uh, my body is like trying to pump its own brakes and be like, "Come on, man, you can't do this." Yeah, definitely. I can totally relate to that. I've been going super hard on the IPA kind of situation, and I just need to scale it the fuck back. Um, <laughs> too too many hops. Uh, <laughs> What's your favorite beer ever? Uh, I mean, I don't have a favorite beer ever. I would say like right now. Um, I've been vibing with like Bell's Two Hearted, um, you know, IPA. Have you had that? 
I don't think I have. Okay, solid IPA, just super tasty. They they uh, I'm I'm based out of Bushwick, and uh, okay. there's a bar, Old Stanley's, and they do like a half pint with a shot, and uh, you can get that bell too hard. It's so fucking good. Um, so yeah, man. Um, so you meant you just told us a little bit about basically for Joe Blow getting kind of treated to this amazing experience. Is that a common thing that happens when you're a writer for Joe Blow or in general? Um, I mean, periodically, like, you know, these the larger set trips where you're going off to foreign countries and basically like the studio is footing the bill and, and all of that stuff. Um, those are usually reserved for higher ups and stuff like that, or, or basically people that are available. So it's not exactly a super large staff over there. So you kind of have to spread the love when it comes to these things. But I mean, I've I've been on some really amazing trips and I've interviewed a lot of incredible people uh, through Joe Blow over the years. I've been with them for like, God, I think it's like five or six years at this point. And um, I just started news editing last year in January. And then three months after that, in addition to the news editor job, I also became um, assistant to the editor-in-chief as well. Nice. So um, that's basically just watching over the site when my boss needs to leave the office uh, for the day, whether it be for set visits or what have you. And um, I basically have, you know, the keys to the to the car, so to speak. And uh, you just watch it, edit it, make sure nothing blows up. Like Harry's doing right now, making sure that, that this podcast is not uh, blowing up. Um, Somebody's got to watch it. Exactly. You know, how did you get into all that? I mean, you said that Obviously, you're a big movie head. I'm assuming. Mm. Did it start with growing up watching movies and kind of just yeah, read, reading comic I mean, books? And well, I mean, if you want to go like way, way back, yeah, yeah, um, way back, I'll tell this briefly. <laughs> my my first movie ever in uh, the theater was A Nightmare on Elm Street, and uh, my father had a friend who worked at a theater, and he was going to screen it, and my dad didn't want to miss it, so he brought myself and my sister with us and that was my first theater experience at like three years old watching a nightmare on elm street that sounds and, terrifying uh i loved it like i absolutely <laughs> loved it like my dad was a huge huge horror buff and so was my mom uh at the time as well and uh my dad was one of these people who would always kind of sit down with me and explain to me how the movie magic worked whether it be like makeup or special effects about how you know these are, it looks real, but these are people in costume kind of thing. So very mm-hmm. early on in like, you know, absorbing entertainment, I was kind of trained to know where it was coming from and enjoy it for what it was. And um, so years and years and years and years later, I uh, became a member of the MFC, which was the Movie Fan Central network on JoeBlow.com, which was basically like a message board community of people that frequented the site. And, you know, made a couple of really cool friendships through that. It got very tight knit for a while. And um, I basically spent so much time on the site between reading the news and reviews and contributing to the stuff that one day I came up with this uh, column idea called Ink and Pixel. And it is basically born out of my love of animation. Like of all movie styles, I just, I love animated films, particularly stop motion animated films. And, um, so I started to like look into kind of the process of what goes behind these movies and if there's ever ulterior motives for animation to be presented in the way that it is. And basically in my investigating this came to find out that like 
certain colors are used to send signals to the audience's brains. Like if you want to think of Disney's Aladdin and the the bizarre sequence with Aladdin where he's running through everything and it's dusk and the spires uh, at the top of the buildings and stuff, those onion-like shapes and the color palette actually sends a subliminal message to your brain telling you to to calm down and relax. So as a result of that, kids that went to go and see the movie stayed in their seats longer. And as they stayed in their seats longer and didn't fidget, parents realized that they were able to bring their kid to a movie where it wouldn't be a horror show for them to make the effort and they could actually sit down and enjoy something. And thus, Aladdin did like gangbusters at the box office at the time. All because of like, not all because it's a wonderful movie, but in part because they were using these these color palettes and these signals to basically tell everybody just relax and enjoy what you're watching. I, I and told you before uh, the podcast, but I don't know everything, but and I've never heard this. This is interesting that mm-hmm. there's like almost subliminal strategizing behind the films. Is it that kind of thing still going on in? I'm assuming in movies now or animated I films? I don't think so. Like <laughs> um, like like Fight Club putting uh, things in between the frames. <laughs> Probably yeah. not. Um, honestly, I think. There's too much of the movies out there these days that it's very difficult to hide anything anymore. You know, like every movie has 6,000 TV spots showing you practically a quarter of the film before it even comes out. And it's all out of context, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't know, though. You know, like there's definitely, particularly in animation and kids shows and stuff like that, like something like My Little Pony, like some people scoff at My Little Pony. My Little Pony is actually quite handily written and smart in that they they fit in all of this like all this adult humor and references to things that kids would never would never understand. But the parents that are watching it with them, they get to enjoy something from their neck of the woods, and it's somehow seamlessly woven in. Like there's a whole episode of uh, My Little Pony with Big Lebowski characters in it. And like they go bowling, and all of this stuff, and it's wild. Wait, this is like a reboot of my uh, My Little Pony, this or is this the, is like the new My Little uh, Pony? Ah, okay. I thought you were... been around for the past few years. Okay, I thought you were referencing the original. No. Okay. No, no. Okay. Okay. I was but, gonna say, um, when's the last time you watched those ones? Oh, those? No, my sister was into My Little Pony. We were growing up. That and uh, Strawberry Shortcake and Oh yeah, Bright and all that yep, stuff. Yep. Yep. I remember all that shit. Um, cool. But yeah, I. Uh, I don't know, I kind of lost the thread of what I was talking about here. Uh, going back to what you were saying about people dissecting things, this is a little bit of a tangent, but recently I, I like uh, following Star Wars news. So I've just okay. been seeing a lot, like I've noticed there's a trend nowadays where it's like net, once like Last Jedi comes out on uh, Blu-ray or whatever, suddenly there's a lot of talk about people exploring like frame by frame all the details of the film. So it's like the credit of what you're saying is like now people can kind of like super analyze it. It's kind of like what you were saying about Aladdin. So yeah, there's no, these days there's no room for hiding anything in film. Well, I mean, from a news editor's perspective, and I mean, I, you know, I write for several hours throughout the entire week and it's just, there aren't aspects of films, even if they're not true, even if it just, it's an idea. It's out there. You know, everybody, everybody claws for stories and claws for any kind of aspect to report on to get clicks and to make money and to sell ads and stuff like that. And so one of the things that I, I really like about Jobo is having the freedom to kind of like pick and choose my topics and like things that I, I 
deem are cool and worth posting about as opposed to just whatever happened. Right. Can you so, tell us about that process of, of how you choose and, and go about writing? Like, what does that look like? Um, well, like I said, like we don't get, we don't like, we do get exclusives and we do get tips and we have like our own network and stuff like that, but it's not as, it's not as far reaching as places like deadline or the Hollywood reporter, you know, like all the, the people that are, are owned by these giant companies where if you're going to announce something, that's where you do it kind of right. thing. So, um, I basically have like a network of people that I'm connected with through email and everybody basically up- updates each other. Um, I get lots of stuff from studios, get lots of things from uh, like people making their own movies. Like every day I get at least like 11 offers of fan films that want to be hosted on the site. And every now and again, something will, will go up, but sometimes there's just, there's just no room for it. Has there, but, been, um, has there been one ahead. story that, that was unexpected that you were like, oh, fuck yeah, I want to break this or I want to, I want to tell that story? Um, I always enjoy doing the uh, the comic book stores. I'm trying to think. There was something the other day that was announced that I, I freaked out about. It was some <laughs> kind of a it was a casting of some sort. Mm, I don't know. I'd have to maybe look back. I, I write a lot of stuff. I can't remember specifically. <laughs> I can but, uh, something, somebody was announced as the um, – oh, I think it was Carl Urban was announced as uh, – there's a – Garth Ennis adapted uh, series coming out called uh, The Boys. And it's this really, really super depraved story about a group of badasses that all of the, turns out that all of the superheroes, all the Captain Americas and Supermans and Wonder Womans of the world, they're all terrible people. And they've kind of, uh, their egos have been so built up over the time, over time that they no longer care about saving people. And they're just, this like debaucherous race of super beings keeping everybody else down. And wow. the boys are responsible for taking down like the fallen heroes. That is fucking so, awesome. Yeah, like it's yeah, it's cool, right? Like that is super so cool. So Carl yeah, Carl Urban is going to be the leader of this group. And it's just when you look at it on the comic book page and then you hold Carl Urban's um photo next to it, you just like, oh yeah. You know? Then you think about him in dread. Or or in Thor Ragnarok, and you can just see it immediately. So that wasn't it, but that's a decent example. <laughs> so. Yeah. Would you mind if I read your Joe Blow bio? Could I? Could sure. I just for, uh, for the audience? Been updated in a while. <laughs> All right. Ready? It's a dramatic reading. Getting lost in waves of sound. Oh man, I'm starting to read it like it's like a haiku or something. Getting lost in waves of sound while cocooned in a pair of serious headphones, comic book characters, film, and television, a delicious tumbler of whiskey, which you shouted out, scientifically inclined Canadians wearing pajamas in public, pancakes and bacon, that sounds good, and long walks on the beach. You want to speak to any of those? Is there anything that stands out in there that you're like, I need to clarify or... Um, what was it? Scientifically inclined yeah. Canadians? <laughs> yeah. Uh, my wife is a scientist. Ah, okay. She is a microbiologist. She works with water. Amazing. She is a genius and my favorite thing about my life. So, um, anything else? Pancakes are. Yeah, I saw that that's like, uh, that was mentioned a couple times. So, yeah. Yeah. So, just yesterday, um, okay. So, I've been making pancakes for ever since I was about, I want to say, eight years old was when I made my my first batch of pancakes on like Christmas morning for my parents or something like that. 
And ever since then, I have prided myself on being able to fix up some pretty tasty ass pancakes. And then I met my, well, who, who would be my wife at the time, who tells me that she has a pancake recipe that is oats, vanilla, Ooh. Uh, and cottage cheese. Oh, okay. Okay. And I just okay. was like, I'm like, what? She's like, yeah, she said, that's it. And I was like, you got it. All right. Let's, let's, let's see. Let's see. Let's see you make these. When I tell you she makes them like silver dollar style, they will reduce you to just like a boneless mess on the floor. They are so good. If you're into pancakes, they're amazing. And you can eat each one of them in like one mouthful. And the way that the cottage cheese works is that it like yeah, I'm curious. it all cakes up on the sides and it crisps around the edges. So like it's all cakey in the middle and then nice and crispy on the outside and you get a slight crunch when you bite into them and they're oh god, they're so good. Hmm, interesting. You got me curious. I I, I kinda wanna try that now. What's your dish for her? Like does she have one where she's like, Steve's this is the best? Yes, food. I have a few of those actually, but <laughs> my uh I make a killer um like cinnamon and pumpkin French toast. But uh my crowning achievement has got to be my tacos. I'm a little experimental in the kitchen in terms of that I will, if something strikes me, I will grab whatever it is and I will throw it in and I will like test it on myself. And over time, I've found some really crazy combinations for like chocolate tacos. Ooh. And savory yeah, and like sweet. Cho- chocolate nice. chili tacos. Ooh, that sounds good. There's another one that I did that was like pork and honey. And and all kinds of stuff like that. And I just, I have a couple of, we actually have like a family recipe book where my taco recipes are a section of the book. So like anybody in the family can can go and make them. And um, some of them are the kind of thing that you would kind of like bulk at it and be like, oh, you're not going to put that in there. And like, try it, just, just try it. And once they try it, they're like, they're immediately going back to the stove for another, another helping of whatever. So right, it's unexpected combinations of flavors. I've uh, one of my good friends um, is a cooks a lot and and likes to do that too. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, obviously, you're very passionate about food. Uh, is that would you say up there with writing, or where would you no. kind of place that? No. Okay. It's just kind <laughs> no, of like no. um, it's like I said. I know how to make a couple of things. The things that I know how to make, I make them quite well. So not a master of not a master of all. Uh, all trades, but good. No, my um, this actually ties into some of the some of the writing stuff as well. Uh, my number one passion of as far as entertainment goes, you could take away the movies, the comics, the video games, all that stuff. But I, there's no way that I could get through a day without music. Like music is my muse. It's my. It's everything. It follows me everywhere I go. You will very rarely catch me out in public without a pair of headphones. Music is one of those things where it's such a tough one to talk about, in my opinion, just because it's kind of like, what are you listening to right now? What's your favorite? It's it's tough. I feel like uh, last mm-hmm. week we were talking about what's your like top five artists of all time. Do you have five? That you would throw um, I know it's tough. I mean I be, I actually made a list okay. of a bunch bunch of bands that I could rattle off to you that I'm uh okay. my all time my all time favorite band uh is Tool. That's uh, okay. number one. Fuck yeah. And uh my other if I had to pick two, my other favorite band would be Failure. Okay. Which is uh they're I had so many words about them. 
But um, other stuff that I really enjoy, I listen to a lot of LCD sound system. Uh, Bjork is probably my favorite musical artist, um, not band, but just individual artist. Uh, I love what she does. My friend's band, uh, Rituals of Mine, who just recently uh, got signed to Warner Brothers, and they're in the studio now, and they have a new album coming out. Uh, they're absolutely phenomenal. They're listening to a lot of a band called Daughter okay. lately. It's kind of like very spacey it's the kind of thing that you'd want to like lay in a uh like a deprivation sensory deprivation tank and have somebody filter it through the speakers in there and just lay down um and then there's a whole bunch of of other ones too but i mean like one of the things i love about having spotify is that they have a related to tab or sounds like tab and i'm like i'm discovering new stuff every week like i just started listening to rosie valand who is this french uh speaking singer who is just to die for uh wolf alice is really good i reconnected with the screaming females because of them um nice. all the music i listen to during work is on there all that kind of stuff yeah we live in an age where it never has been as easy to discover new artists and it's like to, yeah. to your credit yeah the, the spotify discovery like related artists is like so it's helpful. really reasonable yeah. too and also the weekly playlist that's that algorithm of shit that you know they think that you would like usually it's pretty not bad i don't know if yeah you, yeah so yeah, every now and again I'll, I'll bounce around and uh see what they have to offer so speaking about music and film i think an obvious question you're a writer um were you ever an aspiring filmmaker are you a musician are those two things that you have never dabbled in um, I am not aspiring filmmaker, despite my putting on many, many shows in front of my family that they will remind me of every Christmas. What do you mean by that? I um, <laughs> I used to get my family involved in like plays, and uh, like I said, I grew up in a very horror centric family, and my father's father was also kind of a horror fiend, and he would tell us ghost stories that at the time. I believed them to be true because I didn't know any better. And I would take his stories and I would then uh, like act them out and I would make tickets. I'd use my crayons to make a bunch of tickets and I would hand them out to everybody, you know, uh, before dinner. So they knew that like after that, they can come down to the basement and like we were all planning some kind of like reenactment of, uh, you know, Pop-Pop's ghost story about the the kid who came back to life at the, the funeral home and stuff like wow. that. So, um but as far as music is concerned, um, I was a lead singer for a band uh, several years back that um, we played a bunch of places around New York, and uh, we were pretty good. We were pretty good. And then, and then everybody just started getting old, right. and families and other commitments and job stuff, and it, it just got a little too difficult to keep it together, but we still keep in touch, and uh, it's good stuff. Do you ever play in at all and for yourself or um, pick it I up, just or? recently brought my guitar okay. um home from my storage unit that has still has all of my stuff in it back in uh buffalo new york so um i grabbed that a couple of weeks ago and have been kind of just tooling around and stuff like that but um i don't know like there's not a there's not a whole lot to write for musically i used to i used to write uh music lyrics like if i was doing any kind of writing before i started writing about movies and short stories in college and stuff like that i was always writing uh my own song lyrics in the hope that one day i would have a band and then it actually happened and i was able to pull all of those old notebooks out and rework all of that stuff into 
you know, our catalog of, of music. So could we, cool. could we go into that writing process? I'd actually be super curious because for me, I've dabbled a little bit in music, mostly like a tr- electronic. I have no formal background, just fucking around on a keyboard. But for me, the, mm-hmm. the hardest part is writing lyrics. And I've like talked to many friends, what's the best way to do it? This kind of thing. Are you more of like a, you'll just kind of hum a certain tune and then turn that into words? Or do you, what is your process for that? Um, I mean, I usually, like the amount, of, the amount of music that I have in my head, you know, it's like when you turn on the stereo and you pull something out that you haven't listened to in upward of 12 years and you throw it on and you still, you still know the words. Like you could still sing along and you're like, how the hell do I still know this? I can't remember what happened yesterday, but somehow I know all the lyrics to this Bush song, (laughs) you know? Um, So, I mean, admittedly, I would have rhythms from other, other bands and stuff in my heads, or at least like time signatures of um, when to dole out lyrics. But the thing about that is that you can use that as a, like a stepping stone but the moment that you meet up with other people and you try to apply that, like whatever you had in your head for it is, is now gone because the collaborative effort between all of you just, it doesn't add up anymore. It doesn't fit. So Interesting. you like suddenly you find yourself taking, you know, different pauses between words or stringing other things together or the music itself inspires something entirely different and you need to take a couple of minutes to sit down and write new stuff and then get back on the mic and record it um which is what we did a lot was we would always do our practices in the studio in case we came up with anything that we didn't want to lose and that was you know how we came up with the majority of our stuff and i'll say this about the writing process it helps a lot if you're not in a good place when you're writing oh music. yeah definitely yeah um so like as the years went on and I became happier, it became harder to write stuff, which sounds ridiculous. Um, I'm not aiming to, to be unhappy, but I just, I would be very curious if I sat down tonight and tried to write a new <laughs> song where I would be because I am in like the best possible place I've ever been in my life right now, like 37 years old, and I'm just having a blast. You're rocking. It would be probably super bubbly and positive, or you would just be like, I have nothing like depressing to say. So where does it go from? Nah, it, yeah. would be, it would be a love song. It would absolutely oh, be yeah. a love song. But you know, like <laughs> you, you, find, you find a way for it to also be about something else. And you try to marry the two things together to come up with something cool. But if you're trying to write lyrics, let me just, I'll give you one piece of advice that okay. I always uh, adhered to. Don't worry about schemes. Don't worry about rhyme schemes. Don't worry about syllable counts. Don't worry about any of that stuff. Write what you feel and then worry about it later. Okay. You know, like if you feel something and you know, oh, this isn't going to fit, write it down anyway, because you could always come back to it a few hours later or a few days later and you find a different way of saying that thing and suddenly it works and there's a section of your song. Let's talk about a Talking Comics podcast. Sure. Tell us about what it. What would you like to know? I, right. I want to know everything. Start at the beginning. What is it for those who don't know, who, who are listening, who are like, what is Talking Comics Podcast? You're the host, right? Yes. Um, so uh, you can go to TalkingComicBooks.com uh, for our website. We have uh, news and reviews and just a whole menagerie of podcasts from uh, you know, the Talking Comics podcast, Talking Games, uh, Talking Valiant, where we talk exclusively about Valiant comics. We have Talking, did I say Talking Movies? There's a whole bunch of them. 
Uh, Bendis Assembled, which is dedicated to Brian Michael Bendis, runs. We have a new one that uh, my wife is actually going to be contributing to with our friend Sarah Miles from all the way in England, and our friend who's also a part of the Talking Comics podcast, Jessica Schaefer. Uh, that podcast is going to be called Ladies of Valhalla, and it's going to be basically the three of them centering in on like female-centric creators and artists and writers and all kinds of things like that. And uh, so they're in the process of working on that. I don't want to say too much, but uh, it sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun. I happen to uh, be on the ground floor of planning that one out, which is... Uh, been a real treat and is that but, a, um, is that a remote that? situation as well is that also like on a skype situation or how do you guys all connect yeah okay yeah yeah all of us so for the talking comics podcast i'm here um primarily in canada uh bob who has uh been with the podcast i've been we started the podcast six years ago so i've been with the show from the very beginning i'm the longest standing member of the show we've had uh two hosts come and go bobby who is the founder of the website that uh he and myself and our friend Stephanie, we all kind of founded this website together. Uh, so he was hosting the show for a good amount of time. And then uh, our friend Mara Wood came on, who is a uh, yeah. doctor of child psychology and an accomplished writer who came on to host the show. And then she went to go and like do a whole bunch of other degrees and, and stuff like that. And so then I took over the show a little bit over a year ago. And uh, yeah, we are 333 episodes Whoa! into that podcast right now. That's intense. That's impressive. So what's yeah. the cadence, for lack of a better word? How often are you recording? Uh, the show comes out once a week. It comes out usually around 7 a.m. on Wednesdays to coincide with New Comic Book Day. So like the idea is that when people go to the comic shop to get their books, like they can download the show or listen to the show or you know whatever they feel like doing. But um, basically, I mean, as far as formatting goes, is uh, we like to keep it pretty loose. I mean, we're all friends and we're all, you know, like we're involved in each other's lives. We do this once a week. So it's pretty much a way of us catching up and hanging out. It's uh, it has a format to it, but it's not always uh, strictly adhered to. It's kind of like whatever flows. But um, we do a segment called the lightning round every week where uh, everybody gets five minutes to talk about as many books as they like. So like, what's your elevator pitch and quick opinions for these books that you read? And then we have an open discussion section, which we call together the books that we've read collectively and have lengthier discussions on them. Um, our movie review shows are uh, usually very big um, downloaders. I don't know what the hell you want to call it. But uh, people seem to really like those shows, particularly the movies that we, we haven't liked in the past, because, man, I have been raked over the coals for some movie review shows, I'll tell you that. Really? Ah, you, you, can't, you can't please everybody, and everybody... Everybody's a, people, a critic. A lot of people <laughs> make up you know, their, own, their own minds about, uh, since you don't like this one aspect of one thing, all of a sudden you're the villain. You know, yeah. and, and you hate it and you, you don't endorse it. You don't think people should see it. And that could not be farther from the truth. Do you get that you know? same kind of feedback when you write for Joe Blow or for a more of a no, writing standpoint? No, honestly, I have um, I have developed a, a great habit of not really paying attention to that crap anymore. You know, when I first started writing for the site full time, I was very concerned about establishing my voice and, and getting like a good rapport with the readers. However, and this is in all camps, not just the Joe Blow camp, but like a lot of the fandom for film, they're pretty rabid people. 
you know, and and it's right. it's much harder for readers to say something positive than it is to say something negative. So sad. It is. It is. And it's a shame because, like I said earlier, I try to be positive and I try to be optimistic. Even if I'm not interested, I I make an effort to do that. Every now and again, I'll snark because it just the the joke is too delicious and I can't. But it's it's not just because I don't care for something doesn't mean that you're not allowed to love it, you know? And um, so the, the the world has become very selective in its healing, uh, not healing. I'm sorry, hearing, if you will. And uh, every now and again, somebody will uh, either call me call me a name or, <laughs> or instruct me to do something to myself that uh, seems like it would be ill advised. That's, and uh, that's hilarious. But yeah, but the thing is, is like it's never anything creative, right? You know. It's never anything that like, wow, like you really, holy shit, man, like that's pretty good. You know, I'm, I'm going to steal that. Thanks. Like, it's always just some stupid, petty, go nowhere response that contributes absolutely nothing to the overall conversation. Right. And you've wasted X amount of time of your life. Lazy trolling. Yeah. To, yeah. to put something negative out on the internet just to make somebody else feel bad. You need to reprioritize. Because if, if that's how you want to spend your time, woof, like, no thanks. Yeah, and there's just so much of it out there. I mean, Reddit yep. and all that. But yeah, we could go down that that rabbit hole. But to stay positive, uh, yeah, <laughs> we won't. Um, tell us what's the secret to, in your opinion, a successful podcast. Obviously, we're putting on a podcast. We want to learn from you. What's your advice? For us um, and the listeners. Oh my God. I would say that make sure your podcast sounds good. But if anybody who listens to our podcast <laughs> hears this show, they're going to totally call me out on it. Um, since, I, since I've been staying in Canada, uh, waiting for my residency, I seem to have just developed a habit of running into some really terrible problems on my end. And um, I had to run a successful podcast. Have people on your show, like when you're, when you're choosing your hosts, make sure that these are people that you can hang around and that you can, you need to understand like the Talking Comics podcast is not a paid podcast. We've been doing this podcast for over six years and like have, aside from Patreon money, which goes directly back into hosting the myriad of shows that we present, like we don't make money. Nobody buys me comics. You know, nobody, nobody says like, here, Steve, have X amount of dollars for, you know, marking off your Tuesday evening every single week and hosting this near two and a half hour long show and, you know, writing the outline and doing all this stuff. I do it because I love it and because I love my friends and I love having a good time and being able to connect with my friends now basically staying here and being stationed in Canada, they can't get to me, you know, so I went from doing a show with them for upward of four years, maybe even five, to being removed from that. So if you're building a podcast, make sure that your podcast sounds good. That is really super, super important. People will turn off your show if they can't hear it, or if there are too many glitches, or even if they can't, like, let's just say, for example, the podcast comes out and it's a little low in volume. It's not ruined. It's just a little low. Right. So what this means is that the person listening to it has to turn their volume up by like three or four increments in order to get like a decent amount of sound. Rather than do that, (laughs) people will message you and chew you out about how the show doesn't sound good because it's low. 
Wow. And so you need to be prepared for stuff like that. And you also, you also need to play it cool. You know, like it's, it's important not to lose your professionalism and, you know, don't, don't do the podcast game if you don't have a relatively thick skin when it comes to people telling you how your show should be run. You know, like we've gotten a lot, we seem to have landed on a really cool format uh, for the show. People are really digging it, particularly the last couple of weeks. We've gotten some really amazing responses from the show just at random. Awesome. Um, yeah, I mean, like we get that stuff pretty consistently, but the last couple of weeks have been really, really good for us. I think there's, uh, we have some new hosts on the show, um, Jessica Schaefer and Melissa Megan. Who I mean, they started a while ago, but they're really starting to, you know, find their zone now. And uh, the chemistry on certain nights is just like just awesome. You know, like I, I take the headphones off and I, I go upstairs to go talk to my wife about the show, and I'm jazzed. And I can't sleep for like the next three hours because I'm just so excited for people to hear the show. And um, it's cool to have like have all of these friends as an extension of the show. I wouldn't have met my wife if it wasn't for the Talking Comics podcast. Wow. So. Yeah. She was a listener or? No. Um, we went to New York City Comic Con uh, for the first year that I'd gone. Um, and that year I went for um, Talking Comics. Every other year after that, I went for, for Joe Blow. But um, we met at an after party at this place called the Stitch Bar for the, uh, the Geek Girl Con meetup. Okay. And they were, I was upstairs and ended up running into her. I spoke to her for maybe a total of three minutes and everybody was wearing um, kind of like a name tag with their Twitter handle uh, written on it. And she happened to remember my handle and we had a mutual friend and we just started talking on Twitter after that night. And uh, then she mentioned that she needed a date for New Year's uh, that year. And I decided to fly out to Canada and be her date. And now here I am about to be living in Canada, married for a little bit over a year. Love that. And it's, yeah, man. your work ties into to love. That's just yeah. I have a, so we, what we all aspire to. I have a pretty good, I have a pretty good story, a pretty good life. Like there's, yeah. there's a lot of stuff that, that came before this that uh, it's, it's earned, you know? So fuck yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, but, and that was very much how I got to my spot on Joe Blow was, um, going back to what we were talking about really quick before was, um, I came up with the ink and pixel thing and I pitched it to them. And for people that are looking to be writers and to write for websites and stuff like this, here's an also a little aside. I didn't get the gig, um, two times. So like I submitted my This is at Joe Blow or? Yeah. Yeah. This was at Joe Blow when I first, when I first pitched my animation, the ink and pixel column to them. And it was rejected. And they said, we like this, but we want to do this with it. Can you change it to be this? And so I had to send it back to them two times before finally on the third time, they were like, yeah, like this, this fits, you know, welcome aboard. Um, it's a bi-weekly spot if you want it. And so I took it and I wrote it for like five years. And then um, when the opportunity to came, came to move up, uh, I took it. That's amazing. So there you go. I like your advice. Yeah. Just fucking keep, well, you know, keep you gotta, going after it. You got to be open to criticism, whether it be for a podcast or whether it be writing professionally or anything like that. Like you're writing for Joe Blow, like writing for yourself is one thing. And it's all just kept on your laptop, your computer. Maybe you've shared it with a friend. But, you know, every time that you post one of these articles, it's going out to the world. You know, and and regardless of your of your viewership, which, you know, Joe Blow has been around for 20 years. Like it's the the reach is vast. So when you're in this position to share this stuff, like 
you got to make sure that you're on point, you know, and like every now and again, due to human error, something will pop up. Either there'll be a spelling mistake or you got like a release date or a year wrong or something like that. But the audience will let you know if you did. And walk, so, walk us through that that process when you're preparing to like maybe release something. Like, are you going over it a thousand times? Um, No, no, okay. no. I'm not. I, you know, always run it through the spell checker, reread it at least twice. Yeah. Um. And just make sure it all lines up. Make sure it looks good. Make sure you have awesome photos. Have the highest resolution photos that you're allowed to have within copyright law and stuff like that. Right. Like we have to Photoshop a lot of stuff now because there was a like a crackdown in the sharing of images uh, a couple of months back. And like you, websites across the board, like unless you have a storage of stuff that belongs to your company, like these are the variety photos, these are the THR photos, these are the deadline photos, you have to use official images of these stars from other projects they've done and kind of like Photoshop it so that it makes sense to fit the narrative of the new news. Right. So, you know, try to... I, I try to make sure that my articles are fun. I, I inject a little bit of, you know, personal stuff into here, here and there, though I've kind of tapered that back in the past couple of months just because it's not worth the hassle sometimes to, to make a comment about something. And then all of a sudden you've branded yourself as being on one side or the other, and that can lead to hysterics. Really? Oh, it takes absolutely nothing to, to, to set people off and to to let you know that they disapprove. So, um, so interesting. But um, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, as far as like putting it out there, check it a couple of times, make sure it's backed up. Don't lose it. Um, copy everything before you save, like go into the source code. Um, every, basically a lot of backends will have the source material and then the actual stuff. So it's like the source is where all your coding is and everything like that. Copy that have that somewhere else before you save just in case you lose your connection or whatever you know bad weather um the site goes down for for even just a nanosecond and you happen to be saving at that point and then you lose everything and you're now even farther behind than you were when you got you know when you initially learned about the news has that happened oh yeah oh fuck oh yeah that plenty of times horrible. and it, and like and some epic ones too like ones that you like it took a lot of time to kind of parse the information from the source, but still manage to make the delivery of that information unique. You know, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of lingo in news reporting for for movies, and I'm sure for other things too. But when it comes to movies, there's a lot of terminology that is used again and again. And if you're not careful, like there are times when it looks like you're you're ripping off other sites. And so you have to be one of these writers that can kind of think on their feet and work around that. Like some stuff is unavoidable, but if it's unavoidable to a point, you need to then find another thing to add to your article that makes it different than the one that's your source. You know, whether it be a personal anecdote, whether it be a movie fact related to someone who's working in the movie, right? Whatever, like whatever. Just make sure that you have that stuff in there. Because you just you have so many other things to worry about. You don't want you don't want the headache of having to go back in your work and and worry about um, you know people saying oh you know this is what so and so said like of course this is what they said that's the news like that part you're pointing to that is the news right so calm down <laughs> I love it dude I have so I many it. questions 
yet I, we have I'm to. here, so. <laughs> but I think we got to start to wrap it up. I feel like this might be like a part two at some point. Um, but sure. Before we go, I do have one last question. Absolutely. Do you really wear pajamas in public? Oh, yes. Really? Yes. What is, yes. Whatever for. Okay. <laughs> so before I, I'm a, I am a man, I'm a man of comfort. Okay. I work from home. I don't go to an office. So basically my office is about 20 feet from my bedroom. And when your office is 20 feet from your bedroom and your mail carrier is absolutely amazing and he is, uh, and knows we even have like a special ring on our front door for me to know that it's him as opposed to somebody else. If he has like a work related package for me or whatever. Um, but I am all about just doing my thing. And I, I, I don't really, I don't really find myself being concerned about what other people might think. Like right now, you ever see the movie Coraline? No. This uh, like a stop motion animated film. Okay. Um, I be, I got, just got my hair done um, two days ago, and it is bright indigo right now. Your your hair is bright indigo right now. Yes, and it's it's about like down to my down past past my beard, which is also uh, quite epic. And um, there's this clothing uh, company out here in Canada called the Roots that they just they make the most comfortable things. Like if you're not careful, you just fall asleep standing up in them. And um, I don't know. Like I don't travel too far. If I'm going out, out, I will absolutely wear pants. If I'm going out with my wife, I've been told that I need to wear pants. So wait, you've got your pajamas and a beard. It sounds like a Big Lebowski reference. By the way, that's one of your favorite movies that you listed. It is my favorite movie. Of is all time. that an inspiration for this look? <laughs> it's it's really not. It's just kind of how it works. <laughs> You know, like I've always had the long hair for as long as I can remember. Every time that I cut it, I'm miserable. Um, so I've just resigned myself to to keeping it long. And as far as the beard goes, uh, it just it grows too fast for me to to really do the upkeep on it because every time that I try to shape it or level it off, I go too hardcore on one side. Right. And I'm left with misery so do you use a beard oil i do want to shout I anything do. out or or do you have a beard, uh, beard, honey, beard advice honey, honey brand beard oil honey there you go honey itself no 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 it's like oh, a honey it's brand. extract and the, the company okay. is called honey we uh Got it. found them at like a like a farmer's market hullabaloo uh during christmas in toronto uh when we my wife and i were staying there to go and see lcd sound system and um really really cool bunch of guys and i bought a couple things off of them uh and yeah i don't know i i went from not being able to grow a beard at all or having like sections of it not do the trick to having this like just ridiculous i don't know woodland creature sitting on my face for the past several years a literal uh there's a, a world of of things living and and happening in there i can stash there's, things there's things stashed there's yep. money. There's you know a pencil from last week when you were writing, and you put. I always tell it away. people that I have the kind of beard that if you were to punch it, it would punch back. <laughs> that's great. So this is like a uh, it's a coarse beard. No, it's actually oh. it's oddly soft. Soft. Okay. It's oddly soft, but it it looks it looks like it would ruin your day. It looks like you would ruin your day. Yes. Fuck. <laughs> I, I live in Brooklyn, and that's scary to me. But it's a I've got a, I got a pretty decent beard. Pretty decent beard. Harry, what would you say? He's, he gave me the thumbs up. I don't know what that my means. Beard, my beard started in Brooklyn. So yeah, nice. there you go. We're about specifically. 
Uh, Red Hook okay. was uh, usually my uh, my stomping grounds. Okay. I mean, any any music venue at any time uh, throughout the New York area, whether it be uh, like uh, La Poisson Rouge okay. or, um, oh my God, Williamsburg. Williamsburg Music Hall. Yeah. Always so many good shows. Did you ever go to Knitting Factory back when it yep. was in the, it was like in Chinatown, I think? Yeah, dude. Okay. I saw, yeah. I saw, um, I saw Incubus oh, fuck for yeah. $7 at Coney Island High when it was still open. That was wow. during, that was before um, Science came out. <laughs> and um, I've seen Team Sleep in uh, for like four bucks the same night as The Faint. And uh, what else was that? Bright Eyes was there. I don't know. I've seen a lot of music. If you ever want to talk about like old shows in New York, I could probably fill a whole bunch of hours about that. Yeah, let's do that for the next one. Yeah, man. And when you um, uh, when you make yeah. it back down here for another show or, or what have you, hit us up. Okay. We're here. I, We're uh, out here. certainly will. Amazing. Um, like I said, I don't want to cut it short, but I think uh, it's about that time. So we will leave you to PJ's Urban uh hailstorm canada all those yep. things that actually sound that sounds really nice to me right now i am uh my wife just left for a work thing i am going to head upstairs i'm currently wearing a long gray old man sweater uh my duff beer shorts my duff beer pajama shorts uh a rituals of mine t-shirt and my hair is up in like a haphazard bun of indigo blue so fuck yeah own it so <laughs> real quick happening. shout out your handle your twitter handle whatever you want to plug um so if you want to follow me on twitter or instagram my handle is at dead underscore anchorus um was that a n c h o r e s s for anchorus so dead underscore anchorus and um you can catch me every week on the Talking Comics podcast. Uh, like I said, comes out usually in the mornings on every Wednesday, new comic book day. And we're just about to record our 334th episode Holy tomorrow shit. night. That's crazy. Yeah. Respect. And uh, yeah, it's um it's been a wild ride. I owe I owe a lot, a lot to that network and that show and those and those people. I would not be where I am without them. It's it's kind of this intricate awesome web of events that that came out of that thing but um yeah at dead underscore anchorus is where you can find me for all the things all the things find them there yep. all right steve thank you again so much man it's been really fun um like i said i mm -hmm. feel like this could go on and on but until next time we'll make it happen sure all right sounds good thank you so much for having all me all right cheers man you have a great night and to you listening thank you and we'll see you next week Thank you so much for listening to The Writer Experience. If you enjoyed the episode today, please leave a rating, a review, and a comment on iTunes. You can also check us out on Instagram at Writer Experience and Twitter and Facebook at WriterExp. The Writer Experience is a Samurai Dinosaur production. Copyright 2018. All rights reserved. Music by Kevin McLeod.